You're listening to Topa Talk. Can you believe it? We are here to fuck around, and then we will be finding out. <laughs> Let's get into it. What an episode. This has been in the works for quite some time. Absolutely. I came to you in December of last year and said, really excited for season four, but I'm missing something. And we wanted to go a little bit further. And I totally agreed with you. Yeah, I wanted to bring some aspects of season one back into the show a little bit. Yeah, because season one, you and the first co-host, Melissa, really dove deep into local business owners, local fixtures in the community, and and as you guys said, movers and shakers. And then when I joined on during COVID, we didn't really get that same experience. So this is kind of a fun take for us to have with this. Yeah, and this was our first idea, and we ran with it. Cody and I have this fun idea of splitting up these episodes that we have good ideas on and letting someone take charge. Cody's been taking the lead on this episode. Um, doesn't mean we haven't been both fully involved and entrenched in this, but he's definitely the creative genius behind this. And I thank him dearly for coming up with so many great creative ideas and bringing this group of women together. Well, it started with the mayor, right? We've wanted the mayor for quite some time. I mean, it's exciting. She's she's the first mayor in a long time to actually be elected into the Ohio mayor office otherwise they've just been plucking them from the from the panel right and so we wanted her for that reason for a long time we just didn't you know necessarily know how and then we also wanted Blair on the podcast who is a dear friend of mine and yours and she's a longtime local her family's been here forever but we didn't know where she would make sense on an episode. We also wanted Christine Overacre, who had actually reached out to us first, originally months back, because she wanted to talk about developments in in downtown Ojai, right in the heart of downtown Ojai. So it kind of just made sense to have these three women who really represent a lot of different pieces of Ojai come together for an episode where we talk about where Ojai is going. Yeah, and I think... You know, with the mayor, originally we said January of 2022, let's look a year back on your and what you've done and what's going on and what your take on being mayor is. With Blair, we've talked about it a million times about bringing her on, especially when political things are going on. She's someone who inspires me deeply to do better, to look deeper, to engage more. And when we decided that we would do the mayor and we had the idea of bringing Christine in, I said to you, I texted you really excited, like Blair is it. This is the puzzle piece. This is the missing puzzle piece. It has to be Blair. You're right. And I think that you'll notice we put her in the middle. She's the second interview. It brings both Christine and Betsy. It really like twines together so well. She's she is the glue. And what's amazing about these three interviews that we're about to listen to is that they all relate to one another. They all give fresh perspectives versus one another. And they all they all connect in such a, a really cool way. This episode is really cool, in my opinion. I agree. And we've been we were like struggling with the vision of this episode. We knew who we wanted on it. We knew what we wanted the center focus to be at the time when we were developing this. It's so funny I use that word. The development <laughs> was being talked about a lot, you know, at the Ohio Unified School District. Absolutely. And so we thought, OK, we'll focus on that. And then Cody said, the bigger picture, if we scale out of just that one moment that's happening in Ohio, is the future of Ohio. That's Correct. the anxiety. That's what everyone's worked up about. When you texted me that, it was just like the floodgates 
broke open. We had our path. And that's what this is really about today. Because it's not just about that project, right? It's not just about the the one project at the Ohio Unified School District, which is certainly quite the talk of the town. It's certainly a huge project that's on everybody's radar. But like you said, when you zoom out and you look at it on a broader sense, there's really this this kind of anxiety, like like you said, about about what Ojai is turning into as locals are gripping on so tight, uh, transplants are having fresh ideas. How do the politicians in Ojai and and the boards feel about all this? It just this episode. It just made sense to make. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the anxieties around this episode, you know, the meme page. We all know the Ohio meme page. Let's give him a Let's shout out. Let's give him a shout out. Small time citrus. Hayden. Hey, Hayden. Hayden. I didn't mess it up. Is it small town? No, it's small time. Okay. S- small dot time dot citrus. <laughs> Venice makes, North, baby. It makes me anxious. But I would say his pokes at the cultural issues in Ohio, the like apparent housing issue in Ojai, the jobs in Ojai. I think there's just like this circle of things going on right now that are causing a lot of interest in the future of Ojai. Buzz, if you will. Absolutely. Buzz, buzz. So first we sat down and what's cool about this episode too, it makes sense to put these interviews in the particular order that they're in, but also they are in true order of what we recorded and it just worked out that way. First things first, we set, we set a date with Betsy we interviewed Betsy. We met her. Um, had you met her before? I met her very briefly before this interview, just one time. No, I had never met her. I was excited when she was running her campaign and paid attention. I voted for her. I was excited when she got in. Um, I had, you know, kind of got disengaged. Maybe I can admit to myself, but I was also paying attention. She's been really involved with fire. That was one thing that we, when we sat down with her and had a conversation, she was the most passionate about her work with the fire and she has been working really hard and close with retired fire chief Mm -hmm. about hardening homes. And we will be able to provide some resources with you on that and our, uh, link tree on Instagram. Yes. And she's going to be having like open air discussions about this soon. Yes. And you know what I found really interesting in this interview is her take on housing in Ojai, which I think you, the listener will find interesting as well. Should we dive in? Let's go. It's a cool thing because you are, I don't know how many mayors we've had that have not been elected into office, but you were certainly elected in. So it's, you're a, you're a very big deal in that regard. And, and yet you're really approachable and you don't come across as the kind of campaign style person that people might lean into being if you need to be elected into something, which is kind of refreshing to see, especially nowadays. I wouldn't consider myself a politician, although I am clearly so. <laughs> By nature, now you are. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> and teachers are politicians. Yeah, I would say you know negotiating and collaborating and right consensus. There's a lot more to the word, you know. And politician can be a trigger word for some people because you associate it with certain politicians that are polarizing. And I love breaking down a word: politics, policy. Policy is really important to me. Policy has always been very, very important to me since I was a little girl. So in some ways it is natural. But yeah, it's interesting um, combining, you know, public policy and government with like personal responsibility. And considering you said that you've always cared about policy from a young age, you probably take the role of like global citizenship where it's like you want to do better for your neighbors and it's not just I, I, I. Absolutely. 
I mean, that we're all connected. We know that. And that is probably the number one message that I would like to cultivate in our community. We're in the same boat. We're on the same team. And ultimately, for us to move forward the way we need to move forward right now, because we do have a climate crisis, we have a, many issues to handle in our world. We've all just got to learn to get along. And it seems so simple. You know, Gandhi said if we could do two things, just be compassionate and tell the truth. And of course, <laughs> you know, Martin Luther King picked up that baton and ran with it. Something that jumped out to me, too, when you said that we're in this together and we're on the same team and we're in the same boat, I would only edit that and say that we all have different boats. We're in the same ocean, we're in the same sea, in the same storm, but we do all have different boats. We have different resources and stuff. And I think that's an important part of this piece of this puzzle with these how polarized everyone is is just realizing how different we all are and it's okay and to help people when we can oh i love that metaphor stephanie it's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) thank you it's one i picked up on during covid in the beginning everyone said you know politicians especially would go on and say well we're on the same boat it's like well we're not we're in the same storm storm. (laughs) correct on the same planet yeah same home yeah right now with I feel like in Ojai specifically, you know, just come bringing it back to home with everything. I feel like right now we're kind of having like a tug of war of culture of what the town is shaping up to be. And we're curious if Ojai is supporting, you know, anything other than boutique hotels and new restaurants and things like that to be opened in this town. I think that's a really interesting question, because when we all take a step back it's clear that our economy has been diversifying in the last few years. Look who's moving into Ojai. People who are working virtually, people who use the facilities and contribute to our economy, you know, shop here, go to yoga here, go to restaurants here. Our world is shifting. So in terms of the economy, we don't have the data yet, the number of people who are who are working from their homes digitally, that's definitely on the horizon. So In some ways, the answer is already happening. We just don't know it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think there's also some diversification with the new breweries, the the dispensaries that have popped up over the last two years. Um, I can see what you're saying there. It's just so funny because I think we all have a little bit of tunnel vision on Main Street and we all have tunnel vision on like the tourism quote unquote issue that some of us locals like feel attached to. But at the same time, I think that's been growing for the last 20 years and is pretty apparent that that's how a lot of us make our money as well. Yes, yes. And it's I've been here 22 years now, and it's fascinating to really step back and say, well, what, what was here then and what's here now? And it has shifted quite a lot. And, you know, I love the opportunities to go out. My kids love it. They love checking out the new restaurants and breweries and fun things to do. The question is, in the big picture, you know, seven generations forward, what's Ojai going to look like? I was at a really, there was, we had a great meeting last night. It was a joint meeting with the Historic Preservation Commission and the City Council. So our downtown qualifies for the California Register of Historic Places, as well as the National Register of Historic Places. And because we qualify for these, um, the City Council would need to approve the request from to make it a historic core. If that's approved, that opens up Ojai for all sorts of funding and from the National Trust. And they have a whole reservoir of uh, information and consultants who will come in. And, you know, the funding is super wonderful. So if this happens, and we'll see, and there's going to be a public hearing in March to see what the community thinks. 
I think that would be a really, really wonderful step forward in terms of preserving Ojai, celebrating its history. You know, it's our 100-year anniversary. Yeah. And really bringing out the best so that we're all working together in our individual boats and and sailing forward into this beautiful future. <laughs> what does what does preserving Ojai look to look like for you? Good question. Well, we're 100 years old. We have a lot of historic buildings. Anything that was apparently before 1950 that has some historical relevance is on the list that that, that the commission has made. So making sure that they they can be restored, you know, in a, in a I don't know what I want to say right now. <laughs> kind of in a thoughtful way. and Yes, yes. And also continuing to ask the the residents, what do you want? You know, when I went door to door during the election, what I heard over and over again was um, the price of homes. So that's what I heard. Yeah. People need places to live. Yeah. The, the housing situation in Ojai is definitely a hot topic for folks around here and folks that are wanting to stay here. You know, rent increasing and the prices of homes increasing. Is there anything on that front that you can give a little hope hope to for these people that are listening? Because that is an important question. Yes, absolutely. I've been diving deep into this. The day after Newsom was not recalled. He signed a bill called SB9. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's probably the the most important bill that's been passed in several years, and it will affect Ojai. And I'm against SB9. It basically increases density. It's mm. being sold as a way to create more housing, quote unquote, affordable housing. I've done a lot of research. Affordable, according to the state of California, you can make up to $120,000 a year. So I don't use that word anymore. Yeah. Doesn't mean anything. Affordable for whom? Right. So, it's all relevant. So I, I, you know, housing for very low and extremely low income homes. And that is, if you look at the dates, $47,000 is considered very low income. And, and the issue <laughs> is that people need to understand building more is only going to make the, the, the problem worse. Yeah. Because Ojai is so popular people will pay whatever it takes to live here right so we have to actually help people in need and we've got to focus on them the the answer that i keep coming back to is we have to to help people who are who have very low and extremely low incomes so rent stabilization a living wage those that's the solution we can keep and this mentality that oh well if we just build more and more will prices will go down not not in California. Yeah. The average home price is $118,000 in the nation from what is about 389 right now. We're not going to build our way out of this. It's too too wonderful here. <laughs> <laughs> too many people want to be here. It's a blessing and a burden, right? And there's just so much money out there. People buying second, third homes, making investments. So it's it's a it's a worldwide issue that needs to be addressed. We have to really take a big step back and look at it. Yeah. So what is your vision for Ojai? You know, what is, what's your vision for what you'd like? I mean, this town is, of course, near and dear to you as it feels like a family member almost. That's yes. how I feel about it. You yeah. and I are in the same boat, mm-hmm. you know, so much history here. So many memories and milestones took place here that Ojai does feel like an extension to me. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Yes. Super grateful. One one really interesting aspect of Ojai, because it's so small and tight, there's so many memories in such a small space. So having raised both my kids here, taught here for 20 some years, having both my parents here, both having them pass away here, 
when I can take a five minute drive, and, I mean, it's more than memory lane. It's like my whole life flashed before my eyes. So, Aww. which is really sweet. It's a, it's a, such a, it's, it's home. And it's, it's ever changing. And, and how is that home going to look for you and your family in the future? Number one, we need to live within our water mains, sustainable, and just basically change the way we think. You know, I grew up in a, the 20th century. It was all about growth. More, more, more. Bigger, bigger, bigger. You know, dam the, create dams, control Mother Nature. And we see now in the 21st century, you cannot control geophysics. You cannot litigate or negotiate with Mother Nature. She's always going to win. So how do we work within our water means, specifically in the Ventura River watershed? How do we share what we have and use what we have wisely and also save? We need reserves. So there's some very simple things that each one of us can do to cut down how much water we use. Of course, the elephant in the room is agriculture. And you know, there's no pointing fingers. As, as we said, we're all on different boats, same ocean. So how are we going to transition towards a, a way to do agriculture? Regenerative agriculture is the answer. Uh, factory farming doesn't work. And, and specifically getting the truth out there. The, most, the best thing we can all do is cut down on animal products. It's all about the fork. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, as someone who's been very passionate about the environment for most of my life, um, I've always taken it as a personal responsibility. And I've kind of zoomed out on that a little bit more. I mean, like you mentioned, things change. Our thinking changes over time. And I will never stop pursuing more ways to be good to the environment. That's just something that I'm really passionate about. But I also think it's important to look at the inequality in water use in this valley. I mean, you want to point the finger at agriculture. I want to point the finger at golf courses. I want to point the finger at mega homes with a pool, a hot tub, and an expansive grass lawn. I want to look at those things too and say, okay, if I'm willing to make a personal sacrifice, I want to see it elsewhere in the community. Right. Agreed. What I've noticed is the finger pointing is can be the problem (laughs) so so how do we end you know that's a that's that's one of the great things about getting older like oh okay i get it (laughs) and i love talking to younger people you're so you're so focused and motivated and pure in that in that desire to make the world a better place and that's a beautiful thing and that's why i love working with younger people well thank you for saying that you're talking to younger people <laughs> I'm pushing 30, so I really appreciate that. You have wide eyes, like I'm young still. That was really special for me in that moment. Um, but yeah, I think I get where you're coming from. And it all goes back to how you open this podcast. It all goes back to policy. It really does. Because policy is supposed to even the playing field, right? Yes. That's part of it is to help with the injustices that happen in our society. Yes, I agree. And and remaining civil and and respectful, we can really get a lot done. You know, as soon as the, the, the tempers start to rise and people get to a place of fear and defense, nothing happens. And and I agree. Let's look around and number one, look at myself. You know, um, am I hanging my clothes up on the line? <laughs> or sometimes am I thinking like, oh, 
use the dryer really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Little things like that do add up. And also in the big picture, we need to change the way we do things. Um, I think 40% of the food in the United States is thrown away. 14% of our water is used to grow that food, to throw it away. That's messed up. That's really messed up. It's messed up too because we live in a country that has a high population of like homeless, hungry people. And yeah. it's, it's such a shame. But I think, you know, we could get, we could go all day and get woe is me on the world, but we have a chance to like look at Ojai and take things personally locally. And I think that's where the power comes from it. And that's why we've obviously brought you on today is, yeah, we can't fix the world's problems probably, but we can probably help our community. Right. And I agree. We can do this. Ojai can do this. We're small enough and smart <coughs> enough and strong enough to do this. For a beautiful future in Ojai, what advice would you say for folks listening where it could just start at home with them? What is your top advice? Just pick one thing and do it today. We have this opportunity in this sweet town to be a real beacon of sustainability for the entire planet. Why not? Let's do it. Let's come together, work together, move the ball forward. You know, we saw the huge outpour of resistance against that hotel being built at Chaparral. And, you know, they just voted to basically cancel that contract in 60 days, which I know, you know, the town's like very excited (coughs) about. But obviously, you know, we're moving forward regardless. Something's going to happen there eventually. Um, And it just brings it seems like such a hot button area. I can't get my mind off like all the things that's been going around right now, right there. And I can't stop thinking about that graffiti. I'm not going to lie. Go for it, girl. And I was curious. It's all, it's all speculation and it's all high rumors and stuff, but it did happen. And I was just so curious if you have any information on like, is that investigation over? Most likely it's like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Sad. Just sad. Vandalism is sad. And the messaging was sad i thought i I don't know specifically where it is right now the investigation i can i'll happy to find out for you uh and it was symbolic in some ways of what's happening in our our culture yeah absolutely and if it just feels sometimes when there's that much anger or something going on in our small town it's like how do we fix it and i think what you were saying is like you know we have to come together and and be a community for each other and, and that is, I, I love what you just said about how you keep thinking about it, because it is the heart of the town, and it, it feels like it's beating, and we've yeah. got to help promote that. <laughs> it's great. Um, this, having the skate park there is beautiful. The Thursday night, far, Thursday night Farmer's Market is incredible. You know, bravo to them for making that happen. So wonderful. I know. Grace with Poco Farms is a complete powerhouse and com- just really brought the community together in a way that is super meaningful. And just continuing continuing with that. So it's a school. I'm, I'm an educator. I would love to see more. <laughs> more education. More education. Adult. The average age in Ohio is 53. So let's get some adult education, some satellite programs from a university, some classes on regenerative agriculture. I mean, wouldn't it be great to have a Shumash museum? Yes. Yeah, oh my God. A genius, actually. That's really a fantastic idea. And I think the whole topic of the future really does come from, you know, there's a new generation being raised in this city and it seems like public school is down 
in private school is up. And so how do we, you know, create a rich, I mean, I'm a public school kid. I think there's so much value to it. I love it. It's beautiful. It's a great experience. And how do we enrich those public schools to, to convince parents to send their kids there? I think that's something the school board's struggling with, and that has a lot to do with their need for income. Right. I agree. And well, the system is broken. The public school system is broken. I love public schools. We all know that, though. And if you look around the world and what are the best school systems in the world, they're, they're national systems. They're federally funded. And they're not dependent on how much, you know, the real estate costs, which not a good system. It's not fair. So we've really got to take a big step back. And, and COVID has given us the opportunity to really take a deep look at our social structures, you know, schools and politics and government and, you know, equity. And we have some issues. I feel confident, though, you know, humans are smart. We can fix this. We just have to put our egos in the back seat and roll up our sleeves and do it. How do we, how do we help the school system in Ojai? Well, first, you know, how can we help? Because they are ready to receive help. Just, you know, and I can help you. I can give you some contacts if you're interested. Just get involved. Get in there. Stephanie, long gone are the days of poor quality drinks. Long gone. We are sophisticated. Matured. We're fun, social, and intentional about our consumption. Ventura Spirits takes it up a notch. Distilled locally, Ventura Spirits offers tours and tastings, exploring their thoughtful process from idea to bottle, as well as sipping on their assortment of spirits, discovering subtle notes and smooth flavors. If you've never made it to the tasting room, you need to go. Reserve a tasting online at VenturaSpirits.com slash Tobatalk. And when you arrive to your tasting, let them know that Tobatalk, us, we sent you. You'll receive 15% off any same-day purchases of bottles and merch. And trust me, you'll want to. I love their merch, and they even have free cocktail recipe cards in their shop to pair with their spirits that are sold there. So fun. So fun. You could also enjoy 10% off of your first online purchase at VenturaSpirits.com for pickup or shipping using our code TOPATALK. That's all one word, TOPATALK at checkout. Again, mention TOPATALK at your tasting for 15% off in-store purchases and 10% off all online orders using code TOPATALK. Can we cheers to that? Cheers. Let's Let's get get back back to to the the show. show. So Betsy what I learned from talking to her in that interview is that she tends to think on a very broad scale on a larger scale. Uh, I found it interesting that she, she really does zoom out. It felt like even when we wanted to talk a little bit more locally and talk more about, Oh, she has, it's almost like a vision for the world. Absolutely. And that's inspiring for sure. Absolutely. Today we're focusing on Oh, in particular. And I think that her story is inspiring in the sense that, you know, we can all take actions to make like different steps. When we were first envisioning this episode, I thought we were really going to talk about the culture, the differences, like what's coming in, what's going out. And she had like a really interesting way to look at our town from a survival standpoint. And that's, that's so true because with our next two interviews, yes, we do talk about the cultural part of it all, which is great because that's what we wanted. But just like you, Stephanie, I didn't anticipate it was going to be about um, the environment, about sustainability, about survival, like you said, and and preventing um, preventing great loss through through 
natural disasters. And I think that if this interview, this whole episode was missing that aspect, it would be a shame. It would be a shame because it's an important part of our living situation here in the Ojai Valley. And yeah, I just, I, I wish we could have zoomed in a little bit more and pinpointed her a little bit on various issues, but she did talk about her stance on things like like the housing situation in Ojai. She had a firm stance on that, it felt like to me. Absolutely. And she did briefly talk about water, and I hope to see some more talks about that from her coming up to see what her plan is, because, you know, we have the reservoir. We don't have like much water for the long term. And that that is really important for the future of Ojai. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, absolutely with the drought and everything. And and something that I want to touch on as well that I want to give respect to because we did have to kind of whittle down some of these interviews to make this episode digestible for you, the listener. But a huge thing that she wanted to talk about that we had to cut was that she believes that veganism is a huge part of sustainability and taking care of the planet. And she did touch on that quite often in the interview, which didn't make it. And I just want to give her the respect of that is a stance that she has. And she hopes that people are thoughtful by how they consume things, including their food. Absolutely. And it wasn't like she was out here saying everything, everyone should become vegan. It's just if you want to make a change, the easiest thing you can do is look at your fork. That's what she said. Look at what's on your plate. And she's really passionate about regenerative agriculture. You hear that in the episode. And those things affect Ojai. Water, fire, farming all affect Ojai. So she wasn't, she was talking in broader terms, but they absolutely apply to the city. So Cody, we haven't really had a chance to talk about our own opinions on the future at all. Do you take anything away from Betsy's episode that you feel like resonates with you that you think is something that you've been thinking about? The one thing that really stands out to me is the sustainability aspect. It is about the, um, you know, like I said, prevention of tragedy from a natural disaster. And so what I honestly took from it, Steph, is that I want to make a Thomas fire kit, not a Thomas fire kit, but a fire kit. I want to make sure that my house and my neighbors all are being protected if there is a fire again. I want to be more thoughtful about how I use water, how I use my resources, and understand that it's not just me consuming these things, but it's for the whole community as well. I'm just simply a puzzle piece within the whole community, and there's only so much of certain things to go around. And I think that that is something that really inspired me about Betsy to keep in mind. Absolutely. The personal responsibility to take care of yourself and your neighbors is definitely a takeaway. As she said, you know, it's we all need to look out for one another. And that's what I took from it. Absolutely. She also mentioned at the very end her vision for that property at Chaparral. And she mentioned how amazing it would be to have a Shumash museum. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely agree. I just I had a little anxiety after that, honestly, because I think it goes without saying, but maybe it doesn't, that like if there was a Shumash Museum or if that's something Ojai was considering, that it has to be done properly. It has to go to the right people. The right people have to be involved. We need Shumash leaders involved with that. The money needs to go to Shumash, you know, and send like whatever. The benefits have to make sense. The The benefits benefits have to make sense. I would love to see um, Shumash elder Julie Tumamite involved in that. I mean, she is one of the most incredible people in our community. We, We ought to have her on. I mean, she really is just one of my favorite people in town. And I I think that's a beautiful idea if done correctly. Absolutely. It's it's just been done poorly in the past so many times as we're seeing and learning that I think we could have an opportunity to do that correctly. Yeah. Is that, is that what you took from the episode or is there anything else you took from the episode as far as how you want 
Well, I think when the development plan was going to more of like a vote more recently when they decided to cancel it, what was the man's name who came up with the plan? Is it Whitman? Oh, Mark Whitman. Mark Whitman. He came up with this great layout that had like a a big center around education and different types of education that really serve the community. Mm -hmm. I've talked to some other friends and even tossing around the idea of like a trade school or focusing on skills. I love that idea. You know, I think that's huge. I think that's what a lot of the makeup of Ojai is there's people who make things, do things, help each other. You know, it's just like even with these restaurants that I've recently opened, I know carpenters that are just like, I'll get a casual beer with that made and built tables and chairs that are now in Duchess and Pinon and stuff like very, that. Very cool. And so I don't know. I think I'm on board with the more education focus. Well, you know, Ojai is a valley of education and arts. It, it truly is. And I totally agree with you, Steph. My favorite vision for that space so far is Mark Whitman's vision, personally. I think that that, from what I've seen at least, that is something that excited me. And I know that every property he makes is really beautiful. I mean, he did the the blue iguana and the emerald iguana and so many homes around town. So he really does beautiful things. And and as you'll see coming up with Christine later on the episode, beauty is part of a lot of developers' visions and goals. And as far as education goes, that ties in a lot with what our next guest has vision for Ojai Blair Brainy. She's very, you know, she has her eye on and she has a pulse on the education and school system here in Ojai. Absolutely. I would say that Blair gave gave such an exciting and passionate interview that I left buzzing. I left excited, inspired. I still am because we've been editing this and listening to it so much. And I just hope that the listeners can pull as much excitement and inspiration as we did. I mean, I told you, you know, when we were after that interview, when we were editing, Blair has this like art because because there's passion there right it's not it's it's not even an art it just it's so authentic and genuine to her there's a passion there for these local um policies and the local politics and the local things that i told you stephanie the other night i was like it's like it's like tmz almost it's it feels like it's for me at least because i love celebrity gossip i'm sure some of the listeners don't but it feels to me like very exciting and digestible and and it just it's a joy to listen to on what could be a very what could be a topic that could be presented so boring blair sure knows how to how to add flair to it let's let her take blair it with away the flair <laughs> You know, we're focusing on the future here, mm-hmm. and as someone who's seen Ojai go through such an evolution, I'm mm-hmm. sure, where would you say we're at right now, kind of culturally, in Ojai, and where do you think it's headed? Well, I think it's really interesting because, I mean, and I've talked to my mom about this kind of stuff, too, just has always been changing. Ojai has been changing since it was here, you know, otherwise we'd have, you know, horses down the street. I mean, like, Ojai has been changing, so... Um, it's good. Like there it's, I'm of two minds. Like in one aspect, it's like, you know, you can't drive downtown, you know, on a weekend, you know, you can't do it. But you also know, like the back roads to go, you know how to go to through Fairview, the down through, you know, the the foothill and like get around it, right? That's like the local vibe, you get it. But you also like things aren't accessible to you anymore when it's like so filled with tourists on the weekends. But I think that's 
I mean, that's happened since I was like young. So that that issue to me, like when people bring it up, it's like, oh, it's like so busy downtown. Well, yeah, they're going to restaurants that employ local locals. Like who works at the restaurants? Locals, you know what I mean? The LA people aren't coming up here to work here. They're coming up here to employ. So like, I get that too. You know, it's like one of those things where you're like, you need the change to grow but also the change, it's uncomfortable. Change is always uncomfortable. And so like, it's just working through that, that I think is really difficult. The other aspect that I think is really interesting is like the whole school, like the amount of children that are in the Valley is like vastly different from when I was in school. And it wasn't that long ago, you know, it was like 20 years ago, like not even 20, but close. But (laughs) like my class, and they actually say that, like when you go to the school board meetings, like 2003 was like when it started dropping off. And like what happened in 2003? This is, you know, a few years before the market crashing, the housing bubbles, like all of that stuff. And people leave, you know, they don't have kids here. And kids is this interesting thing, like create community in a way that that's really important. Like, I mean, if we're talking about our public schools with the lack of enrollment there, and then one of the things that they talk about, about what uh, what makes Ohio so great is like all the private schools we have to, well, who do those serve? They serve children. So it's like, you need to have a community that serves families if you want to like thrive in a way and we're kind of, and we're not really. Yeah. And so that's really difficult right now. And I think it really kind of sparked when, you know, the school board situation was happening with the development like, oh, no, you're going to take down this thing from the kids. And like, what does this mean for the kids? And it's just this really like big conversation about children and families and who lives here and who participates here. Yeah, it's really interesting. The average age of the citizen here is 53. Totally. And so I also see a lot of really young couples that either aren't planning families or don't have children that are transplanting here. That seems to be like a really big interesting in like surgeons, at least like from what I've seen, mm-hmm. the new people that I've met in mm-hmm. town seem to be young 29 to thirties that maybe aren't planning families mm-hmm. and don't even like, aren't even aware of that issue mm-hmm. around like creating culture around the family mm-hmm. starting there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that goes for me as, as well. Right. You know, we asked Betsy, how do you get, people to invest in the public schools instead of like sending everyone to private schools Mm, right because that's an mm. issue with the budget too and she mentioned that it takes people from the community coming in and getting involved in these in these schools and it's so interesting because you know i said i'm a massive public school advocate like i believe in public schools i'm a product of public schools i think it really levels the playing field in lots of ways but they're not perfect and they don't serve everybody and a lot of times i mean just even in my own experience i've experienced almost a, like they, they want me to leave. There is a feeling of like, this place will not serve you unless you are like tooth and nail knocking down their door saying, I'm not going to stand for this and, or whatever it is, or I want this, or I want that advocating for your, your child and your family. And so, and others is the other thing. In one aspect, I get it. It's like, you have to do like my, and my mom has always told me, 
it's your, you have one kid. The school has lots of children they need yeah. to serve. So they're going to do what's best for, you know, the middle of the thing. And you have to focus on your kid. And like, I get that. But there is also a community thing that I literally am doing. Because like, sometimes they don't serve my kid. And I continue to send them. And I continue to be a part of the community and volunteer at the schools and go to those school board meetings. Like, I'm such a nerd. I'm watching like school board meetings at home. Like, Thursday night, Wednesday nights, like it's like TV. And I'm like, oh, it my means gosh. you give a fuck. It doesn't mean you're, but it's nerd. like, you know, really, I'm nosy because I'm so curious because they have to, they say everything, you know, they say everything at these school board meetings. It's an interesting thing with the development. They've been talking about this for years, years. And only recently were people like, oh, this is, you know, getting curious. It's so funny you say that because everything I've heard was like, it was hush hush, but obviously not. If you were paying attention in the right place, you probably would have known about it. I mean, if you were going to a school board meetings or watching them or looking at minutes, you would know that this has been like in the works, nothing formalized, finalized or anything, nothing like that, but that the idea had been there for years and you're going, oh, okay, well, you know, I don't really know what that is. So you kind of ignore it and you show it for your one the thing that you're curious about, because it's always is some, you know, there's something they come for one item and then, and then their item is discussed and then everybody leaves. Well, there's two hours left of the meeting that they're talking about the budgets, what's going on, who's getting this, what school's getting this, why? So it is fascinating for me. Also, I'm interested in that. You know what I mean? Not everybody is. And also nobody has time for that. Like, I'm not going to the meetings always. Like, thank God they're online now because I'm watching at home. Yeah. If I, I did used to go some before everything. With yeah. with this developmental kind of buzz that's that has been going on for obviously quite some time, but it's been on the local scope for the past few months mm-hmm. with the Ohio Unified School District building. What what do you think would be a smart move for that space? Well, I mean, honestly, I have no idea, but I definitely think like people need to be like asked about it in a different way. And I think that's probably what the school district wanted the developers to do, like figure out what would serve the community best. The developers decided, I guess, that it was a large hotel or at least something that had capacity for one or whatever. I don't know if that's right. I mean, the numbers didn't seem that like it was enough money personally. Like we know what Ohio real estate is worth around here. Like you want to give $240,000 a year for that? Like that's yeah. like not enough. That seemed personally? ridiculous. I think we can all agree. I Most locals want if in their dreams, they could just stop everything mm-hmm. right now at this level. Right. They probably would like it to go back 10 years or 20 years, but they can't. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're too close to L.A. Mm -hmm. It's too beautiful here. We're too close to the beach. We're in this scenario in this city where you were saying that like change is always happening. Mm -hmm. We're growing regardless. So like my brain is like the only way to get something for the locals is for the locals to be extremely involved in policy, in everything coming up totally in my opinion it's kind of like if you want to have an opinion and a voice and you want to be mad you better be involved (laughs) i'm so right there too like i absolutely agree and that's why like i am also like super involved in like politics generally and then also getting more involved like locally with politics and what i'm finding is that a it's really welcoming like when you show up they're like happy to see you particularly like you know we're talking younger people here like the older people want younger people. They're like, we don't want to do this alone. They are retired. Like they're doing right. it because they have the time, but they would love younger people to be involved in things like that. Like they're so welcoming. They want to know what you think. And they, I mean, they have the tea. Like you go to a meeting of some, of anything really, and you get the information. Like 
it's there for you. Well, not to mention, they're probably looking for diversity, new ideas, different ways to go about things, ways to reach people, because they're using the tools that they have, that they've learned. But the game has changed. Well, and that's at all levels, too. So, like, yeah. we talk about the school, the city council has a different situation and, and actually a different um, charge because they're set city council, city limits, right? The school board is another interesting thing because that is the entire valley. So there is an interesting um, relationship that the school board also has with the city council. And it's really interesting to see how that goes. It's really interesting to see the city, uh, the school board who's running for school board. They're redistricting the school board right now. How are they divvying up the districts right now? They're divvying up Miners Oaks in an area. They're, it's really fascinating when you do pay attention <laughs> and you see who is, how did these people come to be? I don't know some of the school board members. I don't know their involvement in the community. I don't know how they got here. I have no idea. But guess what? When we go to vote, like there's like one name there and you just check a box generally you're like i don't know i guess i'll vote for somebody and i don't know if it's their fault or our fault but it's kind of we're all kind of doing just kind of going through the motions and then you get situations like you go well what's going on here nobody was asking questions who are you why are you running for school board where did you come from what's your involvement in the community what's your perspective what do you want to happen at the school board and then also i mean then that's related to the city council like if they sell that property that's related to the whole valley, right? And so there are implications for a small, tiny school board seat in this tiny little town that we have that have implications for thousands of people. So it's really fascinating. The more you get involved, it feels like the more you're inspired. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like the more I pay attention, the more I want to pull back. But mm. I think that's because my scope's too large. Yeah. And that, and it's something I've been trying to like say to people or to myself, it's like local action is the biggest impact. And it's also the most access that I have. I currently have access to this community. Right. And it's really interesting because a lot of times in politics, particularly, there is a feeling of powerlessness, right? You go, these people over here are making choices for us. I voted them in, right? Or didn't vote for them either way. And they're making choices for me. And I don't like it or I love it, whatever. But it does feel so far away from you. When you start getting involved in local politics, knowing people that you know, I mean, there are already people that you know that are involved in politics. There's, uh, you know, the mayor, people know the mayor, people know city council members. Mr. Haney was like a football coach when I was in high school. He was like, all the guys know him. I, he coached my brother, like great people. You know these people from your community. And then they run for city council, whatever. And so you can have that relationship with them. You know, you they still have businesses, you know, they still do other things other than their 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 roles in those ways, particularly even the school board. <laughs> None of those positions are paid at the school board. People wow. are literally volunteering their time, which is like those meetings go for hours. And that's just once a month. I don't know how many hours they spend, you know, the rest of the a month lot. working on other things. They do have closed door meetings. I know they're doing that. And I would like to know <laughs> I would like a little bit more transparency. I will say that. So there is stuff going on. But, you know, you get involved with those at the open meetings and they're going to know that you're you're interested, you know, and if you show up, they'll they'll tell you you know, what you want to do. But you can make an impact. I'll give you a story of how me being nosy and curious, like just I ended up. Um, so the last uh, superintendent of the school district was leaving for Texas, I think. 
So I was like, oh, interesting. We'll see how this goes. Like, who's going to be the new superintendent? It's going to like, this is a big deal for our tiny little school. We're declining enrollment, all of the stuff. We need help. Like, who's going to come in and like really like turn this district around and help us? And so I went to a school board meeting and I asked some questions. I was like, well, what's the interview process like? What's the process like that the board is going through for finding a new superintendent? What are the, like, what are the, what's the outline of the characteristics that, that, that you guys are looking for. They had no idea. They could not answer me. I was stunned. I was stunned. I swear to God. And the superintendent who was leaving was in charge of finding his replacement. Oh, gosh. Which I was like, is this normal? He just taps his shoulder and it's in. I mean, I didn't know. And so like, are you guys going to have any community involvement on who the superintendent is going to be? Yeah. Do you have any idea if, you know, is there a parent interviewing panel that you guys are putting together? No, they had already they had already had it down to three oh finalists, gosh. and I was like, "You guys have already decided that it's going to be uh, it's between these three people, and nobody knows, nobody knows who these people are." Why do you think that is? I think I think there's this weird thing that happens where nobody's interested, or they feel like nobody's interested, so people do everything themselves. Mm-hmm. Just to get done with. And just to get it done. Because like, what do they care? Nobody's at the school board meetings. Right. Nobody's asking the questions, right? So I asked the question. And I was like, well, if you need a parent for a parent panel, I have three kids. My oldest, I think at the time, was in second grade. I'm like, I'm going to be here for a long time. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to like participate, you know? And they ended up creating a parent panel. Oh, my God. And wow. they brought in a parent that was a parent of special needs. Super important voice to be heard. Yes. They brought in me just because I was like, uh, I'm nosy and like, I'll <laughs> be your voice here. to be heard, girl. Like, I don't know, but I'll do it if you need somebody. <laughs> yeah. Because I just didn't, I just didn't like that. It, it's kind of like the same community, you know, with the, with the property. It's like, talk to the community and see what they want. Right. So they brought in a, and we interviewed the next superintendent. I mean, who, who am I to be interviewing anybody? No, nobody. But I was just like interested in what, you know, the next superintendent might bring, you know, and that is so cool. That is so inspiring. It reminds me of like getting into good trouble, you know? Yeah. It's like be nosy (laughs) for good reasons. A barking dog gets fed. If you don't, if you, if you see something you don't like, or you see something you do like speak to support it, ask questions. It sounds like you went into it completely respectful. It doesn't have to be this big thing. And in the local scope, it's totally possible. Yeah. I mean, asking questions is just so useful because you have your own only you have your perspective you know do i think everything that i think is right yes do i think (laughs) that it's gonna happen no you know like i'm joking but like i don't have all the right answers i think i do i'm open i'm willing to learn i'm willing to and there's just so many voices that aren't listened to and like i said it's this weird symbiotic thing that happens if you don't get involved they don't listen to you because you're not there and you've asked them to do it themselves and nobody can do everything themselves you know they need help what's your big vision for ojai's future and oh gosh and your perfect world where do you want to see ojai go from here i'd like to see more accessibility for all kinds of people particularly in schools like i really we really need to do something about our public schools like it's a problem and i don't know what the answer is i don't know what the answer is maybe it's selling a property 
Maybe it's not. Maybe it's consolidating some some properties, some schools into one. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But I do know that we need to work on attracting more people with children here, or at least attracting the children who already exist here to our schools. And I think it's possible. Like, what separates the schools, the private schools from the public schools? Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Because I Money? <laughs> well, these are the questions. That's what, what my point is. Like, we do need to value our teachers more. We need to take care of them financially, obviously. But that comes in other ways, too. And other ways that the city council can be more more active on it, like housing. From what the information that I know that about the city council right now is that they're literally trying to pass an ordinance to not get in line with the new California state law that allows um, single family homes to be built in in mul- multiple family units or I don't exactly I'm not having the right words but like duplexes or housing in a single family quote unquote zoned area. Our council is is trying to say and I don't know who's pushing the the ordinance. I don't know if it's going to get through, but this is what we find out when we get involved. You know, so, I had no idea this was happening and uh, then I stuck my nose in. Yeah, so Betsy let us know that that act SB9 I think is what it's called that mm-hmm. Newsom put through yes. uh during the pandemic mm-hmm. would create a higher density in Ohio mm-hmm. and yes. that more building potentially isn't the answer is 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 the take on that is her take on that i disagree i mean listen and that's one of the ways i'm a local i love it everything's been the same since i was you know a little kid here but guess what we have a crisis people need places to live you know and there i you cannot tell me that a town full of artists creatives really thoughtful creative people cannot figure out a way to make more housing beautiful and environmentally safe the concern there is that it's just cash buyers from la well you can regulate that i mean that's what the city council does they regulate like regulate (laughs) there's the answer (laughs) get the power and then use it for like the good you know what i mean like in my perspective it's like Okay, well, then you have to say, I mean, you can regulate. It's been done in places like we are not the only first ones to do this type of thing. We're certainly we're not even the only ones to like run out a developer situation. You know, small towns, we're going to get together and we say no until you get us to buy in. If they had said that this they were going to turn this into a housing for teachers, housing for other families or whatever in all different price points, because you also can't have it just low income. That will create the circumstances that people like would be afraid of. Oh, a bunch of poor people all in one area and it's going to be a mess. Well, whatever. I mean, that's bullshit too. But, you know, the argument. You have a mix. You have a mix. You have a mix of the full priced homes and then other priced homes. They do it everywhere. They do it in Ventura. They do it in Oxnard. And it works. I think housing is so important. And I think it is one of the ways that we need to change. And we can't continue to have no housing. There are so many stories that I've heard and read. I mean, God, if you go to like Rainbow Bridge or the donut store and they have those little things on the bulletin boards, there are so many older women that are homeless looking for homes in their cars in this town. These are people that you know. These are not nameless people. You know what I'm saying? They cannot find places to live in any affordable way in this town. Whew, what an interview. Love so Blair. inspired. Love Blair. 
Absolutely. And it's so funny, like between between Betsy and Blair, I took so much. Okay, I got to get involved. I have to be involved. There's no way around it. And it's not even that you have to. You have to, but you want to like like Blair makes it seem like it's something like why? Why am I not involved? Absolutely. It's like you get to be involved. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. It's a it's an absolute privilege to be involved in the city. And I'm stoked about it. I've also felt like, okay, maybe my head has been under the sand a little bit about certain things. And, you know, I think it's really easy to romanticize this city and everything that happens in it because it's so charming. There's a gorgeous backdrop of mountains there's orange groves kids can run around without their parents but there's a lot going on there's a lot going on that if you're not aware of it you're not aware of it and the thing as well is that like sometimes i feel like almost subconsciously myself folks that i know turn a blind eye to things because maybe you don't feel like you have the capacity to learn about it or get involved in it like i said blair has this thing where she makes me want to focus in on what's really going on in town ask those questions dive into it insert yourself into these these things that are going on to learn about it or to have your voice heard absolutely it kind of reminds me of these little groups of people i have in my life that i always turn to when i need inspiration or i have an idea and blair's one of those people if i have questions if i want to get more involved i know who to turn to and i hope that you have people in your life like that and keep turning to them and if not turn to us that's the tr- if i ever am wondering about something whether it is global politics or local politics blair is usually the first person that i turn to to say what's going on here because i know she'll give it to me straight and Blair does have her opinions and like she joked about in the episode of course she clarified that she's always open and willing to learn and be proven wrong and what have you but like she joked about she said does she think that her ideas are right always yes and (laughs) and so I always keep that in mind that you know Blair's giving me her opinion on things but the truth is for the most part for almost all of it I agree with Blair Absolutely. It's hard too. And I think a lot of our listeners right now have children, which is amazing that it's a little harder for me to connect to about the school issues, but I definitely have compassion and empathy for it. And I'm learning more based on all these interviews that culture is built around the family and we need to build that up. It sounds like it's something that inspires me that makes me more committed. Well, it's funny because you and I didn't even necessarily know it was going to go the route of talking about children when this whole episode stuff is about the future of Ohio. what's the future children so it's like of course of course (laughs) thank god we had this this mother of three she has three beautiful children and she's just she has the most gorgeous family it was such a pleasure to have her on of course she's a friend but it's like sometimes it's just like stars aligning. Not only is she a great friend, but as you guys heard, she gave a great interview. You know what I struggle with a little bit with with both of these interviews between Betsy and Blair? What's that? When Betsy presented the information about SB9 and she talked about development, building homes, how that's not the right answer for Ojai, I, she, I was compelled. I was like, okay, you know, I'm hearing you. And I think the word development is scary already. So I was like, okay, I'm kind of on board with what Betsy's saying. And then we have Blair, someone else I trust and respect, saying the exact opposite and giving other ideas and sol- solutions and stuff. And then I sat there thinking, huh, okay, well, 
<laughs> maybe I change my mind again. But also, I'm the more I think about it, I'm like, maybe I'm in the middle of both of those. Well, that's the thing about those two women is that Betsy's a politician. She's a mayor. Blair, on paper, is not a politician. And she's going to have my head for saying this but, <laughs> because I know how Blair is. But I hate to break it to you. Blair, you are a politician, whether you are on paper or not. And if and there's you don't have to be an official politician to know politics and know how to talk to people, know how to pitch your values and feelings of what you believe the community could benefit from. That's a politician. And I think she has a future in it. Well, absolutely. Oh, God. I would I like hope to so. <laughs> see her have a future in it. It's also, I think, just proving to my own willingness to drop my ego for a second and admit that I don't have all the answers and I don't know anything, but I'm willing to listen and learn from other people. And that excites me, inspires me because I'm like, okay, if we have more ideas presented, if we have more people involved, if more people kind of in a very respectful way, go to these city council meetings and say, well, what if, what if, what if? I think that's where we grow in strength is like bringing all of our ideas and perspectives because we got two very different perspectives on the same exact thing. And I thought, okay, they both like, you know, there's merit in both, but I am leaning way more towards what Blair was saying and, you know, having more ways to regulate cash buys. And I don't know. I don't know anything about that though, personally. Like I actually don't understand the policy on that or know about that, but I'm interested in hearing more. Well, you know, I really believe that the worst kind of people quote unquote know it all. And I think the best kind of people are willing to learn with an open mind. And I think as long as we all like you and I in this situation are trying to learn things with an open mind, that's what this whole episode is about is to hear various perspectives, opposing perspectives like Betsy and Blair. And we learn something from both of these women. And it's up to us to dive in deeper and to make our own formulated opinion, wherever that lands on the scale of this SB9, of various, you know, um, social economic issues in town. Yeah. And I think when we go to listen to Christine's interview, which is coming up right now, you know, we get a third perspective on it. And it's interesting as well. I think, you know, this very theme. interesting. Yeah. It's very the, interesting. The theme that's carrying throughout this is get involved and show up and be respectful. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> you know, with with Christine, who's coming up in the episode, she has lived in Ojai since she says 2019, which is also when the development started for the Ojai Unified School District. Whether that is a coincidence or not, who knows? She also asked us not to talk about the developmental company that was working on the Ohio Unified School District, which we are happy to honor while still gaining her perspective on what she hopes Ohio will turn into and, and be created. If I with. can clarify that, though, the biggest thing that is important, and I agree with Christine here, is just to make sure that everyone understands and knows that she's speaking on behalf of herself and herself only. And that's she, correct. She's not speaking on behalf of the development company. We would never ask her to. Um, well, we would, but we're not, <laughs> obviously, because, you know, we respect her grind and she has to protect herself. And so she's speaking on behalf of herself and herself only. And Christine had reached out to us originally months ago to be on the the show, which, you know, we absolutely wanted her on. We wanted to hear from this woman who had design aspirations for the heart of downtown Ojai. And we had intended on meeting her the day after there was a city hall regarding this development. And unfortunately, she canceled because the city hall, if you read in the paper or if you were there, I think it was just... You know, I would have wanted to sleep in too if I were her. It became extremely 
emotional, I would imagine. I reached out to her first because it said, hey, I heard what happened last night. I'm, yeah. you know, that sucks. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, we can talk about it. What From the news that we heard from people there, I was working, The what I've heard was that, you know, she got up to speak and was booed out, ran out by, you know, basically with pitchforks. Not, not a warm welcome. <laughs> As you'll hear in her interview coming up, though, she does believe that the majority of the town is welcoming to her and her ideas. And that, in her words, the minority of the town is opposed to them. So she does still have a what seems like a sunny disposition towards the developments in Ojai and her vision of what she hopes this town of which she believes she's a local of. And you'll hear that too. I think that she has a really interesting outlook. I think she's a woman who is not often heard from necessarily. So it's a really exciting thing to have. Her. I was thrilled to have her on the podcast. I thought that her outlook was going to make this episode dynamic. And I'm really, really excited for you to listen to this interview. Let's do a quick ad break and then you'll hear the interview with Christine. Why is it so embarrassing to promote yourself? Mm, It's not. It kind of is. It kind of makes me cringe to think about. Well, maybe you're not a salesperson. No, I am now. That's the point. We are now. That's why we have ad spots in our episodes just like this one. Exactly. It's a space where we want to promote you so you don't have to. We want to talk about your product, your business, your service, your event. We want to do the work for you. And our listeners. Our little goobers. They're big spenders, baby. They are dedicated listeners and small business supporters. We know that because that's what this podcast is all about. I didn't even think about that. I think you did. It all makes perfect sense now just let us be your hype people exactly so if you want us talking about your brand service product business or event slide into our email and let's get the ball rolling absolutely send an email to topatalks at gmail.com that's topatalks with an s at gmail.com i think this could be the start of a beautiful relationship that show is baby email us at topatalks at gmail.com today and let's get back to the show Will you pronounce your last name for us, please? It's Overacre. Overacre. That's what mm-hmm. we thought. Yeah. Names are just important to me. Very German. I like it. Yeah. Overacre. No, thank you. Means landowner in German. Fun fact. I was going to say, that sounds like, yeah. It means I took what? German. So landowner in German. Landowner. Yeah. Christine, landowner. You know, we're here to talk about what the future of Ojai is going to look like based on different perspectives. And I think that, you know, you as someone who has recently moved here, you said that you have lived, it sounds like all over, but you've been in California for quite some time from San Diego to LA now to Ojai as of 2019. It's kind of cool to hear someone who is relatively a transplant in Ojai, what what your vision is of this town. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be part of the conversation for it. I mean, Ojai is such a magical place, and it's a place that I am happy to be, you know, living full time in now. What What was the poll that brought you to Ojai? You know, before I moved here, I had been coming for several years prior to that. I think it just felt like home. It felt like where I grew up in so many ways. Um, the people here have been amazing. The community is amazing. And just being out in nature is such a, a nice thing and feeling like you're surrounded by these beautiful mountains. It's, I mean, everyone who's here knows it. It's a special place. 
Yeah, I would say that Ojai typically calls to artists and visionaries and people who have a lot of creativity, and it sounds like that fits the bill for you, too. I don't know if I can claim any of those things other than I like to make art, but... Um, <laughs> uh, You're creative, and you create art, which makes you an artist. <laughs> I mean, everyone's an artist in so many ways, um, and everyone's creative. So, But yeah, Ojai definitely does have like a special community for that, so that's a cool thing to be a part of. There was, of course, a lot of talk about the development in town, which, of course, you were a part of with the Ojai Unified School District. There was the discussion that we all know about of the hotel and affordable housing. And is that kind of where you hope to see Ojai continue to hopefully go, in your opinion? You know, I think it's a it's a mixed bag. I think there's a need for a bigger conversation around the future of Ojai. So it's great that you guys are, are starting that, too. I think it's already started, and this is a great a great way to get people involved in that conversation because I think we need to think about what what Ojai looks like in 20 years. Like, what does it look like for the next generation of kids growing up here? What are the job opportunities? Like, how can we help people start businesses here? How can it not just be what it once was, but how can we create something and go off of that history to create something bigger and better than what it is now? And I think about Edward Libby for that and his vision for Ojai and like looking back on the history of that I don't think it was ever meant to just stay as one thing. And it's not possible for things to stay just as they are. Everything's always in a cycle of change and movement and growth. And how we approach that is super important. And I think that's that's the biggest part of the conversation is how things change is important. But keeping it the same is not not an option. Nothing stays the same. So I'd like to have a conversation in Ohio around inclusivity how we welcome people here, how we um, how we grow our community in a way that's thoughtful and still keeps the core values and character of Ojai without being um, dogmatically attached to the past. I don't know. I guess my general question would be like, what is your experience with locals on this topic? I would say that 98% of my experiences with locals are which I consider myself a local too. Um, whether you guys will have me or not is debatable. But yes, I've been here for three years, so I consider myself a local, a new local, but still a local. I would say 98% of the experiences I've had with people have been exceptional. It's I love the community of Ojai. I love the people I've met here. I feel very attached to the people here. I feel very attached to this place. I'd say the 2% that have been outwardly negative or hostile have been the, the minority. Um, most people want to have the conversation. Most people are open to seeing what we can all build together here. And that's exciting to me. I think the 2% of people are sometimes the loudest people. And so it feels overwhelming at times. But when I think back on the interactions I've had in Ojai, almost everyone's lovely, open. What have you heard from them in the way of like their vision? Or do you feel like you have an understanding of what people want here? Um, I would never claim to say that I, I know what people want. I hardly no, know what fair. I want most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, that's yeah. a hard question. I don't think I could even answer, but I, <laughs> I'm just curious since you have a vision for it and you have been in the past a part of some of those conversations of moving the ball forward and what can we do with this space? Just curious of like any other ideas or thoughts or, you know, opinions coming your way from the locals that you do love. Yeah. Um, and I, I love the locals even that are not nice yeah, to me. It's, absolutely. it's uh, it, just because someone has a difference of opinion, that's okay. It's not personal. 
but there's been so many ideas around this property and around a lot of, you know, what we can build in Ojai. And that's exciting. Um, I think there's a balance between what is viable and like what you can actually get built or what you can actually create in some less viable options. Um, just, you know, everything's a, a balance and a, um, a compromise to some degree. If we want housing, like there's, and if we want affordable housing, if we want to meet California mandates for that, like there's sacrifices you have to make as a community to, to do that. Um, if we want to be more inclusive, there's, there's a balance there too of how do we, how do we make it possible for people who work in Ojai to live in Ojai? Um, so it's part of a, a bigger conversation and I wouldn't pretend to have all the answers for that, but I think starting this conversation and having it as a community and having it in a, a civilized and kind way where we're working together on something, that's, that's what I'd like to see. I think that's what everyone ultimately wants to. We just sometimes get away from it. A lot of the anxiety surrounding the development has a lot to do, like it felt quick, but it wasn't, right? It was it had been talked about for a while within the school board meetings and stuff. But I think for me, even someone who tries to be aware or tries to like be involved with the community, I just felt like, whoa, 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 <laughs> wait, 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 what's happening? It's happening so fast. There's so much going on with it already, I felt like, that I just felt like really anxious about it. Well, you don't know until you know, and I feel like it hadn't been reported on and it hadn't, it hadn't really circulated. And so it did feel quite fast. And there was a lot of, whether it's 2% and that 2% was loud, there, it felt like there was a lot of pushback on it. And, and clearly there, there was because, you know, there's now been adjustments to that plan. But I'm curious what your thoughts are with all that and the, the negative reception. What do you think, in your opinion, is what causing the pushback from that 2% that you say is bringing a negative reaction to developments in Ojai mm. or from, you know, folks that they don't consider locals or didn't grow up here. What do you think that that negative pushback is stemmed from? Well, I think there's a few different ways to approach that question. I, I think the first thing to just address in terms of timing is that this has been a process, a public process since 2019, maybe 2018, 2019 for sure. So I did a joint public hearing in 2019, um, town hall style meeting. That was great. Got good feedback. And so it's been, from my perspective, it's been something that's been public for quite some time. So I can understand you said you don't know until you know. Um, so I think that was one thing that was kind of an interesting factor is that it's been so much of my life that the surprise from some people has been surprising to me, you know, having council meetings online or these things streaming, it's not the same level of participation or community engagement that I'm personally used to. I, I like to be physically there for it. Um, it's one of the reasons I've, I'm here in Ojai is like being physically a part of that is important. So why do you think people are pushing back on it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Um, I think COVID is also a factor in how much tourism and how much influx from other places Ojai has experienced. If you look back on that that joint council hearing in 2019, most of the feedback is actually pretty positive and it was more or less the same plan that was proposed originally. I think there's just been a change in in the climate here. People, not literally, but maybe, <laughs> um, people 
I think feel like they're, they're losing their town is what I've heard. Um, I don't feel that way, but I also wasn't born here. You can't choose where you're born. But I think with the influx of tourism during this time, I, I think people feel a little bit displaced or like it's hard. One of my friends was who grew up here was saying, you know, we have to make reservations like in advance to get into any place for dinner now on the weekends. And we're used to just walking out the front door and just strolling to a restaurant. And we liked that. And so I think there, there's a feeling of things changing that is unsettling. There were signs at that at that town hall meeting a few months ago that people were holding up. I wasn't there personally. I had friends there. I saw an article in the paper. There were signs that said, you know, save Ojai. What are they what are these locals in your opinion hoping to save Ojai from? Well the the signs I've seen and the bumper stickers I've seen say save Ojai from development. Or that's the the movement that I've seen. Um I think development is like this big broad word. Um, that maybe in this case is akin to progress or, or change. And I, I think the scale of change should be managed and that should be a conversation for sure. But we can't expect everything to stay exactly as it was 20 years ago. And that wouldn't be right either. So I think it's good to allow room for growth, change, movement, flexibility, while still retaining the core character of what's here. And that's where we need to be having the conversation. I'm curious what your idealized version of Ojai in the future would look like. Mm. I think that's such a fun question to think about. Um, hmm. You know, I'd love to see the kids who are growing up here today have opportunities to create their own businesses and their own life here to where they're not leaving to go find that elsewhere. I think reinvesting here in the community from people who are fortunate enough to grow up here, making space for those kids to stay here and empowering that I think is a really exciting thought. Like if we could have a community of entrepreneurs, of artists, of of creating space for that next generation, I think that's super important. And that's where I think we need to have the flexibility to to look at how this this growth happens in a way that's thoughtful and community focused. So that to me is exciting. And as an artist, I do think anything we can do to make this place more beautiful than it already is, the built environment, the the physical environment here in terms of landscape, so gorgeous. I think the built environment, there's room to to make it even prettier and to, to match the the natural beauty that surrounds it. So to me, that's an exciting thought too, as to how we can continue to make that a beautiful place to live. I think a lot of fear from locals comes in with the trend and they've been here for longer. So they've seen these trends and they've seen these turnovers and they've seen people come in, fail or not cash out and leave. And I think that Ojai, from what I've heard too, from, you know, even like the younger generation that is like coming up in Ojai right now is that you know, there's a lack of culture and people like LA is obviously the scapegoat. It always will be worth less than an hour away. It's impossible to avoid. People will always flock here, but people moving here from that region with a lot of money that maybe have standalone stores, boutiques, brick and mortars that they don't even need to sell anything to have that store there, but they're here and they have a business here and they want to be in Ohio, but like they're not really contributing anything to the town it feels like they're just taking and they're taking from opportunity and it has no real basis of like 
you know they say they love the town and stuff but do you know what i'm saying like it's it it feels like who are they catering to who are they catering to and i think that's the real fear too is like especially when you say hotel everyone's gonna freak out in this town because it means you know i did learn that (laughs) yeah i i think as a business owner and a small business owner at that um of several businesses i I don't totally share your perspective on that. I think anyone who has a business here is invested. Um, To what degree they're invested is debatable, but it is someone putting a belief in this local economy and contributing to the culture of it, whether you agree with that culture or not. And I see your point as well, that having space for locals and for people who have been here, like that's so important. Like, Like I was just saying regarding the vision for Ojai, like having space for the kids who are here now to actually be able to stay here and create things here. That's so important. Um, In terms of hotel, (laughs) as that trigger word, you know, I think the world needs more of Ojai. I think that's why people are coming here is that people need Ojai. Ojai is an important cultural, um, it's a cultural, eh, I, I can't think of what the right word choice would be, but it's an important place for people to experience. And so whether that's done through a hotel or Airbnb or whatever that looks like, people want what Ojai has to offer. And the world needs Ojai now. Like we have to look at ourselves as leaders in in some ways. And the sense of place here and the culture of it, I, I think we can be an example to the rest of the the state, the country, the world, in many ways, there, there's a special thing about Ojai that's historically been here for a long time. And I think people will continue to come here to seek renewal, to seek, um, to seek growth in many ways. I think it sums it up perfectly, actually, that, um, you know, there's, there's a viewpoint that you're having of that the world needs Ojai. And then there's also a viewpoint that a lot of Ojai locals have that Ojai doesn't really need the world. All right, everyone. Christine Overacre. Absolutely. You know, throughout these whole interviews, there's just been like different emotions and different things. And during that interview, I felt really off. I, I remember telling you that. I remember expressing it. It to was the room. bright and early in the morning. But I also felt like confused and a little disoriented. And listening back, I think it's really obvious why. Yeah. I do think that she interacted with you differently than she interacted with me. I just noticed that. Yeah. And that happens all the time. Um, I think the way you ended that interview was genius. It was a perfect combination of the tug of war that's going on in Ojai. Well, we need development. We need to move forward. The world wants to be with us. And then, you know, a local who's been here his entire life, who's grown up here is like, well, maybe yeah. Ojai doesn't need or want the rest of the world here. Well, that seems to be the, that seems to be the general consensus of most of the locals. Right. And I think that that's where a lot of resentments come from. And I think that, you know, someone like Christine, who is so passionate about, I mean, confidently going forward with her vision, I would say, you know, very confidently going forward. Yeah, with her and vision. I, and I just think I would like to reiterate how excited we were to have her on this episode. You and I were thrilled to get her to come and interview with us. Stephanie, because- <laughs> I was thrilled. Absolutely. I was thrilled. I want to hear from her. She is such a hot, hot, button topic in Ojai as herself. Absolutely. She's made a splash and it felt really cool. Super grateful that she took the time to come. I was so grateful she, she took the time. Super professional. I got her. I, I so grateful. I, I got up even earlier to stop by Beacon to get her iced vanilla oat milk latte. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's cool that between these three women, it does weave a story about children, the future, community engagement. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we didn't actually think all of these themes would be on par. We didn't specifically ask any questions other than what is your vision for Ojai? The conversations went in different ways, but the theme seemed to stay a little similar that we can't help progress. We can't help growth. Yeah. And that, you know, things are bound to change. And I think a general consensus between all three of these women who I think really do represent three very strong viewpoints into how we're all feeling, you know, a general consensus is that change is inevitable, but we need to be thoughtful about what that's going to be. We need to be involved. We need to have our voice heard. We need to have ideas. Especially after listening to Blair and Christine, it's really obvious what can happen if you're not paying attention. It's very obvious what could happen if you're not paying attention. It's not to say that people were doing anything sketchy. Not that I'm aware of. People, if you ha- if you know that information, please bring it to us. Yeah. It seems like they went through the legal channels. They had been speaking about it in school board meetings. It was just that if you didn't know where to listen to or weren't paying attention or didn't have that information, it was happening whether you liked it or not. Yeah, I think... I think- the, the thing that I'm most inspired to do after speaking with these women is to be more aware of things and is to do less things that are distractions from what's really going on that we are all get, that we, we all do, you know, frivolous social media, frivolous television and take some of that time because escapism is nice. I was going to say, I don't want to take away all the little joys in life and try to like, beat home this message that you have to just be so i would never (laughs) stephanie i would never ask you to take away reading on the porch on a beautiful afternoon (laughs) and i don't expect you to ask me to take away watching the real housewives we need to escape but we also need to take some of that time and focus in on what's really going on because it's important in the two hours i read on my porch today i could have shot off an email an easy quick you could have texted me back you could have texted me back and you didn't because you were escaping and that's okay with me. I put my phone in my bedroom and it was charging and I was three rooms away. But guess what? You blink and there's a hotel in downtown Ohio. Exactly. You blink and the Lake Acetus is, is dry. Yeah. You blink and our schools are shutting down. You blink and our zoo closes. Cafe Emporium closes. <laughs> Not to make you sad, but... Don't talk about Cafe, Cafe Emporium, Emporium like that. <laughs> you know I miss that veggie skillet. I think that's the other thing, too. There's just been so much change recently that sometimes it feels jarring. And that's why this is such an important episode is because all this change is really coming to the surface of people's of people's minds. I'd also like to share a little bit about my personal transformation between before I lived in Ojai and worked in Ojai. I was living in Ventura and working in Ojai commuting said, why would anyone live here? That's stupid. And then I decided I didn't want to live in an apartment anymore. And we just happened to find this house in Ojai. I'd never spent time in Ojai before we rented this house, which was crazy in my opinion in general. But then I was a mile away from work And then I just heard so much backlash about like the tourism, the hotels. And as I was gainfully employed by a hotel, making great money, working my way through my career, young, inspired, motivated, I always thought, well, this is how people make money here. Like it's, you know, the the hotels have been here for a long time. It's, it's employs people. It's how people make money. And I had kind of like this sour, uh, 
reaction to some locals, you know? And then I got way more ingrained. I did the podcast. We started Topa Talk. I got a, a job at the local brewery, which was amazing. I started meeting a lot more people. And my feelings change. They evolve, kind of like the town, you know? Absolutely. And now I'm between two thoughts, you know, that the economy that is right now definitely employs a lot of locals, you know? But yeah. it, But it also is a detriment to a lot of locals in some ways. And you know, it's interesting. That viewpoint is, is really cool. My favorite dynamic about you and I, Stephanie, is that you are a transplant. I am a local. And I have like kind of the opposite kind of flip to me where I grew up here and, and we've always, my family growing up, even when I was a little kid, complaining about tourism and how busy downtown Ohio is. Of course, it's much busier now, but I always resented tourism growing up here in Ojai and as a teenager and a young adult. And I, I just realizing the kind of economy tourism does bring to Ojai refreshed my viewpoint on it, especially during the Thomas fire. I just recall hotels in Ojai paying for advertising for small boutique shops and restaurants in Ojai to try to get folks to come here and visit again to bring in the money again. It was needed. I mean, when when it's when it's raining ashes, it's not necessarily a vacation destination. I just remember that that time thinking, "Oh, they they are there's a bridge between tourism and the community that I hadn't really seen as as necessarily beneficial before that." And that was my own problem. Now I understand that, and I think for me a lot of it comes with you know, when it, it just really depends on who, in my opinion, is or is really moving here and is, is wanting to turn things into their specific vision without yes. getting a pulse on what the, the, the heart of the town is really about. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm an example of that, too. I moved here with no intention of changing anything. If anything, I was like, I'm going to conform with the people I know, love, respect you, all the locals I've met, Blair that I've met through Kaylee's classes, Kaylee Crane Fitness and shout out, shout out and to other friends and connections we've made. I mean, yeah. think about the guys over at 805 and Revolt. Think about Brett Bradigan, like all these connections we have, you know, I've decided to really take from their lead. If the locals are upset about something, I try to wrap my head around that and have compassion with them because I don't want to come in here with, I don't have ideas for this town other than I want to stay here and I want to help the people that live here and have lived here and want to like raise families here. Yeah. I think the kids these days are calling that an ally, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I It's crazy to think that five years ago when I moved here, you know, I didn't know much about the town and I, I can't literally, I literally can't imagine not living in this house. People have said that to me before. Friends, my friend Bridget, who I mentioned on the podcast all the time, she told me the other day, she's like, you can never move away from this house. You have to raise your babies here. Like, this is your house. And I'm like, I feel the same way. I feel so connected to this, this place for so many reasons. And that's because you have a future in Ojai and so do I. And so do you, the listener. And I think that that is why we all need to keep a focus on what we want that future to be and to get more involved and to be outspoken about it. And I think with that, we could have a beautiful future here altogether. Co honestly, I agree. Cody, do you have, there's three interviews. What are your three takeaways? My three takeaways is that Betsy is focused on sustainability, which I admire. Blair is focused on involvement and speaking up, which I admire. And Christine is involved in making the town an aesthetically beautiful place. 
who can't admire that? I think that as long as each things are done um, intentionally, respectfully, and while listening to one another, we can all get along. What about you, Steph? I would say with Betsy, I take civil responsibility. I see her being like really serious in a fun way, though. Not like not deadpan. Oh, I don't. That's not even the right word. But you know, not too seriously, but also like, yeah, she's not she's, a stuffy she's, person, but, no, but she, yeah, she's not letting us off the hook. Right. You know, we don't get to go to the mayor and say, what are you going to do about X, Y, and Z without her pulling us in as a resource? And I think that was huge. You know, we went to her, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And she's like, you know, she has all these sustainability things, but then she finds a way to bring you into the solution. You don't get to come to her with your complaints and not leave with a solution. Do you think that has to do with her background as a teacher for so many years? Absolutely. I think that, you know, she's teached for what, 20 plus years? 20 plus years. I think her solution is... And there's, that's the thing about teachers when you're growing up, right? You come to a problem, but they're not going to just give you the answer. You have to that's help figure it out. That's not them doing their job. You, they got to teach you. It's like you can lead a horse to water, but you, no, <laughs> it's like teaching a man to fish. You can catch a fish for him, but you can teach him how to fish. And you can fish for the rest of his life, whatever that saying I is. I don't ride horses. I don't fish. I don't know what the <laughs> hell you're talking about. Um, and then with Blair, <clears throat> Blair really takes what excites her. And she just goes towards it. And she like flocks to it like a moth to the light, you know, and she doesn't back down, not in a stubborn way, but in I want to learn, I want to be involved, I want to be there. She sees the importance in the things that matter to her. Absolutely. And they're the things that, you know, before we talked to her, I wouldn't have thought twice about. I wouldn't have found it very interesting (laughs) had it not been presented the way she presented it. Absolutely. And with Christine, you know, I think she has this optimism about her role in this community that is also in inspiring. You know, I don't think I have the confidence that she has to bring my ideas. First of all, I don't really like, it's not that I don't have original ideas or anything. I just feel so humbled by this space that I don't want to, it's kind of like when you go on a trail, like I want to stay on the trail and make little bit, I almost don't notice me, you know, Yeah. I want to help. I want to support. I think Kristen's really confident in shaking things up and moving things in a direction that she has a vision for. I'm inspired by Christine's confidence. I Absolutely. am. I am. I distinctly remember her showing up to the interview. Oh my goodness. Looking like a model dressed Absolutely. to the nines. And she said, this was a great opportunity for me to dress up today. And I just thought, Christine, this is a podcast. <laughs> But I still admire that confidence. I did too. And there was something legit about her just walking up like that. Well, I had the worst messy bun and I was still in PJs and fuzzy socks. And I thought, hmm, okay, 70. You and I looked a little rough for the wear and that's okay, <laughs> especially next to her. But you know what? It was a great interview. They say first impressions are a big deal. And so I'm like, okay, well, she left a she left a big first impression on me. I don't know. I'm sure we left a big <laughs> one on her. Me just like find, having a struggle to find my words that morning. It's classic. I'm very grateful that all... All three of these busy women, a mayor, a mother of three, and a artist and designer took time out of their days to speak with us. And I think it made for a hell of an episode. I also think it'd be a real shame if the conversation stopped here. Agreed. It has to continue. That's why we also like DMs. We like emails. Absolutely. And, you know, this isn't the end of it. This isn't the end of this conversation or our involvement with it. I'm going to make a stand right now as a goal to make it to at least two city council meetings this year in 2022. That's my goal. I love that. And I'm going to make a stand right now to turn the bowling alley into a Ritz Carlton. Can we invest in that? 
I don't I don't have the money to do it. I have like a thousand dollars I can invest and then we can get rich and we could keep build okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about it all fair. Sounds good. Bye guys. Holy shit, we're so recording. <laughs> I do Whoops. this all the time. We recorded that whole time. Yeah. Damn. 32, we'll start again. 32. Shaq's number. Go Lakers. Okay. Shaquille O'Neal. This is good for the blooper reel. <laughs> for the goobers, the goober reel. It's not a blooper reel. It's a goober reel. reel. Can we put a goober reel in at the end of this? Just something for the goobs. Just something for the gooby noobies. for our goobs. They deserve it. Our gooby noobies, the new, the new <gasps> goobers that are that have just joined up. Gooby noobies. The gooby transplants. <laughs> oh. <laughs> making Ohio more beautiful every day. No, they're making Goober Nation more beautiful. Goober Nation. <laughs> they should put a hotel on Goober Nation. I'm down. I'm down. Let's make the money. Okay. <laughs> Wait, now I have to write it's this back. Shit. I'm going to start 34.